G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You have nothing to say about the hand you have been dealt in life, but you have a lot to say about how you will react and what you will live for. God uses ordinary people to change the world. No matter what's in your past or present, Pastor Greg Laurie says, God can use you. See, God isn't looking for talented people. God is looking for available people. And God can do extraordinary things through very ordinary people, people just like you. This is the day when the lost are found. people who are talented. Some of them ridiculously talented. Maybe they play a musical instrument or they paint. Maybe they've got a brain for geophysics or they can hit a ball into the next postcode. And then us, well, we're just spectacularly average. Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out we're just who God is looking for because where we can't, God can. And the Lord loves to do ridiculously remarkable things through people just like us. Now, as you may remember, uh, this series is based in Hebrews chapter 11, which is a record of world changers, great men and women of faith that impacted their culture, uh, the ordinary people, people just like us. Now, the character we're going to look at in this message, well, everyone knew his story. And it's interesting because in Hebrews 11, very little is said about him. In fact, his name is mentioned, but Everyone knew the story of this man. I'm talking about King David. King David. In battle, he was fearless. In wisdom, he ruled his kingdom without peer. So it's not surprising to find him in the Heroes Hall of Faith because he really was a world changer. But David was like the perfectly balanced man. Okay? He was masculine. He was tough as nails. He was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a musician. He had a tender heart toward God. He was really the greatest king in the history of the nation of Israel. And he also found himself in the messianic line of Jesus Christ. And listen to this. God himself said of David, he's a man after my own heart. Oh my, that's quite a compliment. <laughs> to have the Lord himself say it. That's an interesting expression. I might see a guy chowing down on a burger and I'll say to my wife, now that's a man after my own heart. <laughs> what do I mean when I say that? I mean, that, that's what I like to do. That guy's like me. So the Lord is saying, David, he's a man after my own heart. Incredible. In fact, when our Lord walked this earth, he identified himself as Jesus, the son of David. 
He could have just as easily said Jesus the son of the descendant of Abraham or the son of Noah or the son of Adam. But no, Christ identified himself as the son of David because that was his lineage. He connected back to David. Having said all these nice things about him, I have to also say David was far from a perfect man. Far from perfect. In fact, two names come to mind when you think of David. It's David and Goliath and David and... Yeah, you know. We all know. One was his greatest victory. The other, his greatest defeat. And that sort of sums his life up. So let's look now at the ups and the downs and the ups of a world changer. Let's look at the rise of David. He was the least expected man, or the most unexpected man, I should say, to ascend to the throne of Israel. But here's what happened. God chose a guy named King Saul. Maybe I should say the people chose him. He was the people's choice. They liked Saul. Saul had a chiseled face. He had great height. He stood taller than everybody else. He was sort of charismatic and, and he looked like he would be a good king at first, but it wasn't long until he was filled with pride and was blatantly disobeying God. And the Lord warned him and Saul kept disobeying. And finally the Lord said, you're done. I'm going to replace you. So the Lord directed the prophet Samuel to go to the city of Bethlehem because there in this little city was a man named Jesse that had some sons. And the Lord said to Samuel, one of his sons is the next king of Israel. I'll tell you who when you get there. So Samuel shows up in town. Everybody turns out that they didn't have internet or television. This was a big thing. A prophet's in town. So they're all there watching him and, and there is Jesse with his seven incredible sons. The magnificent seven right there. So Samuel's figuring, okay, it's one of these boys and he looks at each one and the Lord said, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. And then finally Samuel stops in front of Eliab, the tallest of the sons of Jesse who probably reminded him of Saul. And Samuel thought, this is surely the one. And the Lord said, will you stop judging according to outward appearance? I look on the heart, he's not the one. So after he's done looking at all of the sons, Samuel says, uh, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these sons. Do you have any other sons? Yeah, says Jesse, one other, but he's a little weird. <laughs> he hangs out on the field. He watches his little flock of sheep. He's a musician. That explains a lot. <laughs> he sings songs about God. Well, bring him in here, the prophet demands. So in comes David, reddish hair color, probably freckles on his face, full of vim and vigor. I don't even know what vim and vigor are, but I'm sure he had it. And the Lord says, that's my boy. And so right there on the spot, Samuel pours oil on David's head, symbolizing this is the next king of Israel. The people watching probably thought that Samuel was going senile. Are you kidding me? Him? I'm not Eliab or one of the other sons. You're choosing David of all people. But it shows that God sees things differently than we do. And that brings me to my first point about being a world changer. God uses ordinary people to change the world. Contrast David with Saul. Saul was loved by his parents, stable home. 
David was forgotten and ignored by his parents. He was the polar opposite of Saul. Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. David was just an ordinary shepherd boy, but chosen by God. Why do you think God seems to go out of his way to choose, well, the most unqualified people? It's a very simple answer. So he'll get the glory. See, God isn't looking for talented people or gifted people or handsome people. I'm not saying He won't use those people, but I'm saying God is looking for available people. And God can do a lot with a little. And God can do extraordinary things through very ordinary people, people just like you. So that was David. And why does the Lord do it this way? First Corinthians 1.26 gives the answer. It says, Remember, brothers and sisters, very few of you were wise in the world's eyes, but God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those that think they are wise. Listen, you have nothing to say about what family you were born into. You have nothing to say about the circumstances you're facing right now. You have nothing to say about the hand you have been dealt in life, but you have a lot to say about how you will react and what you will live for. See, you can't control your circumstances. I've tried, it doesn't work. But I can control my reaction to the circumstances. I'm the one who decides if I'll honor God or if I'll be angry with God. I'm the one who decides if I'll be better or bitter. And David said, you know what? Uh, my family doesn't care much about me. My dad won't even acknowledge me. But I'm gonna honor God. And that brings me to point number two. World changers are focused on what really matters in life. World changers are focused on what really matters in life. For a real insight into who David was, just read the Psalms. Understand, Psalms were songs, okay? So think of David as a singer-songwriter, all right? You know, walking around with his guitars or harmonica, Bob Dylan style, whatever. Whatever person you want to insert there that you would think is a good singer-songwriter. And he wrote songs about God. In fact, he would, he would express his love for God. Uh, Psalm 34, he says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And he was focused. He wrote in Psalm 57, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. Which meant that he had fixed his heart on God or he knew where he was going. He knew what was most important. He put the Lord first in his life. And he wrote about it in Psalm 27, 4. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He had that one thing going and he knew what really mattered in life. Listening to a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And we're considering the example of the world changer named David today, as Pastor Greg brings us a message with an interesting title The Ups and Downs and Ups of a World Changer. Let's continue. Point number three world changers are faithful in little things, so God gives them bigger things. World changers are faithful in little things, so God gives them big things. Okay, what was David's responsibility? Watching this flock of sheep. I mean, think about this. You're David. You're out in the field tending your flock. You're called in. You meet the prophet Samuel. He pours oil on your head. He says you're the next king of Israel. Now your brothers hate you even more than they did before. And then you just go back to your flock of sheep. 
No crown was given to him. No stretched chariot with secret service protection was waiting. Just everything back to normal. So David said, go back, watch the sheep. And he, he was a good shepherd. And I think as he'd watch those sheep, that's where a lot of his psalms would come from. I'm sure watching them one day just thinking about how dependent they were on him. How he needed to take them to the streams to get them to drink. He thought, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He anoints my head with oil. He's thinking about these things, watching his sheep. And I'll tell you what, any predator comes along, that predator's going down fast. David would take it out. He was very adept with that sling and that stone. And he would kill bears and lions. And he was faithful. So one day his dad says, son, I want you to Go visit your brothers. They're out there in the military on the front lines facing off of the Philistines. The father says, take some bread and cheese to your brothers. So effectively David is making a pizza delivery. <laughs> what is pizza? It's bread and cheese. Very artfully done, I might add. Throw in a little pepperoni, it's even better. But really, he's delivering pizza. So he shows up and his brothers see him and, and Eli, have his older brother who's still ticked off that he wasn't anointed king, says, oh, have you left your little flock of sheep to come see what the big boys are doing? And David's looking around going, Who, who's that guy down there? And there down in the valley of Elah was this oversized man, nine feet, six inches of solid muscle covered in body armor with a massive sword asking for someone to come fight him, saying, Come fight me, and if I lose, we'll serve you. But if you lose, you serve us. And everyone was terrified, including David's brother Eliab, including King Saul. David says, I'll take him on. <laughs> you and what army? Oh, me and the Lord. Because I'm looking at that giant in the light of God. I'm not looking at God in the light of that giant. David picked up that stone. He got it slinging around and he got the momentum and let it fly and it hit the giant in the forehead and Goliath came crashing to the ground. That was the rise of David. Now the fall of David. 2 Samuel 11. The following spring, the time of the year when kings go to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to destroy the Ammonites. And in the process, they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, David got out of bed after taking a nap and went for a stroll on the roof of his palace. He looked over that city and he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and he was told she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent for her and when she came to the palace he slept with her. Then she returned home and when Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant she sent a message to inform David. We'll stop there. David was around 50 at this point. He had been ruling Israel for 20 years. He had gone from victory to victory. He had distinguished himself in so many ways. Man of God, skilled musician, gifted poet, writing psalms of praise, a wise and compassionate ruler, and a man of great courage. He was on an absolute roll. But 20 years have gone by, and things have gone well, and David's kind of kicking back and taking sort of a spiritual vacation from God, which never works. 
So the devil gets them. When will the devil hit us? When we are the most vulnerable. But let me point out, David had set himself up for this particular attack. Because 2 Samuel 5 tells us in direct disobedience to God, David took concubines after he became king. Now if you're young and you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. And <laughs> in Deuteronomy 17, the king was told, never do this. Never take concubines. Why? Because the Lord said, because your heart will turn away. And that's what was happening to David. His heart was slowly but surely turning away from God. He had lost sight of that one thing. Now it was too many things. And most of those were the wrong things. And he was being consumed by lust. Listen, God gave you a sexual desire. And he wants to bless sex. And he will bless it in the safety of a marriage relationship. You see? And the scripture even says, drink water from your own well and be satisfied with the wife of your youth or the husband of your youth. Be faithful to your partner. Live in a monogamous relationship. The Lord will bless. But David was filling his mind with lust. And so when you do that, it's just gonna get worse. Listen, you don't feed lust, you starve it. And David had been feeding his lust with all these concubines. And one thing was leading to another. And so one warm spring night, when the soldiers went to war, David went to bed. He was in bed when he should have been in battle. He was staying up late, sleeping in and being physically and spiritually lazy. And now the attack comes. He sees the beautiful Bathsheba bathing herself. Who is that woman? So one of his servants comes up, verse three. She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Man, you're gonna give this servant credit? He knew exactly what was going on with David. You know what, here's an interesting thing to consider. Sometimes other people have a better sense of what we're doing than we have. See, this servant knew David. He knew David was a womanizer. And he knew what David saw. Uh, excuse me, sire. Uh, she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, she's married and you're married. So forget about it. Yeah, whatever. Bring her up here right now. He gave the order. God was putting a roadblock in David's life to not sin. And God puts roadblocks up in our life. Have you ever noticed when you try to do something wrong, God doesn't make it easy for you. He makes it hard. That's why I think it's so ridiculous when someone says, I just fell into adultery. Really, just like that? Kind of like tripping over a rug. Whoops, there I am in adultery. How did this happen? How did I end up in the bed of another person? How did this happen? Did you just fall into the hotel room or wherever? I mean, give me a break. You didn't fall into anything. You planted, you plotted for it, and you executed it, and then you lied to cover it up over and over again. You don't just fall into it. You gotta jump through a lot of hoops to end up in this situation, and David did. Greg Laurie pointing out what led to David's great fall. But thankfully the story didn't end there. And there's more to come in this message called The Ups and Downs and Ups of a World Changer when we continue on Monday with more insight from the life of King David. Hope you can join us. In the meantime, have a great weekend.
If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message on CD, contact Vision Christian Store. Search The Ups and Downs and Ups of a World Changer at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.